Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer femme people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp, the founder of the Queer Femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Today you will hear my conversation with business extraordinaire Jessica Vaughn. Jess is the CEO of the music production house Head Bitch Music, and is also the brains behind several solo musical projects like Charlotte Sometimes, Jay Poland, and her recent alternative venture, Laces. Jess and I discuss growing up in the public eye as a musician, finding strength in the wake of hard times, and the importance of always leading with empathy. I was very interested in speaking with Jess because she's learned firsthand what it's like to experience the horrors of being a young woman in the music industry, yet she's remained resilient and has gone on to be wildly successful with Head Bitch Music, where she helps create the type of support system for younger artists that she never got to have. As usual, I would like to remind listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, So if you would like to help me continue to create more episodes and maybe buy me a coffee as well, please consider donating to or checking out my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Those who join my Patreon will get to unlock bonus content, including music-based film reviews with special guests, unheard and unedited conversations in podcast episodes, playlists curated by yours truly, as well as early access to some of my YouTube content. However, I understand that finances are tight for many people, so if you are unable to join the Patreon, I fully understand. All I ask is that you give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as that really helps me out in my effort to get the podcast in front of more people. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. I love it. So, um, I guess I'll do my, um, radio intro voice now that sounds, um, it always feels weirdly unnatural. So, hey everyone, welcome back to Sounding Out with Izzy. Today I am joined by... Hi, Laces. (laughs) I am a, an artist. That's what I go under Laces for. And then... I'm also a professional songwriter, and I'm also a music executive in the music licensing space. Lots of important titles there. Um, <laughs> so uh, just to start off, I guess, because um, I feel like this is just checking in is essential um, in these times. How are you feeling? You know, it's been kind of a crazy time in the world the last few years and the last week has been super nuts and I actually um just lost a family member yesterday 
So it's been kind of a weird, weird week for sure. Definitely bringing some just depressing, (laughs) just depressing energy this week for sure. I'm sorry to hear about your family member. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess to start, um, when did you initially uh, start singing like throughout your life? When's the, is there a first memory you can pinpoint music um, sort of entering your world? Uh, you know what? I guess I've always just, I've always been singing since I was, I don't know, probably, probably before I could talk and music was like the only thing that ever calmed me down. So got into entertainment pretty early on. I started dancing um, when I was three years old. And then, um, you know, by the time I was like in middle school was like writing poems and singing them. And I remember my dad telling me that I should probably learn how to play an instrument because no one really wants to hear anyone sing poetry. (laughs) And so that's what I did. So I ended up, um, yeah, just like picking up a guitar. So music has kind of always been in my life. What was your first uh, model of guitar that you picked up? Was it just like an acoustic or was it like a... Yeah, I think it was like a really terrible acoustic guitar that I rented for two weeks from like the local guitar store because my parents were like, we're not getting you a guitar unless like, you know, that you want to play it um, and take lessons. So I I rented a Washburn, like a really trashy acoustic guitar for two weeks and then ended up writing my first few songs like while I was trying to learn how to play it and um and that's when I finally got a guitar um my great aunt had left me a little money so uh, I was allowed to spend it you know spend it on what I wanted so I ended up getting a Taylor guitar after that nice who were your um first like musical idols growing up and how have your influences sort of evolved as you've gotten older? Ooh, um, I mean, I, growing up, I really liked old, like oldies. So I was really into Roy Orbison and the Everly brothers, um, Billy holiday. I really grew up on that. And then as well as Fiona Apple and, um, Jewel and, um, Coldplay, Snow Patrol, like listen to all of them when I was younger, um, Liz Fair. And then I really do think that you can hear that in my first major label record that I did. And then, you know, over time, I've just always been a song fan. So I'm not really overly a, um, like an, you know, of a, I'm not a huge fan of like, like an artist or a band. I just follow great songs um and so my taste has kind of evolved it's all over the place especially because it's my job to you know license other artists music for film and tv so I have to like really keep an open mind and um as like a professional songwriter I can't be limited to one genre so um but I guess for like my latest project I mean I'm such a 90s queen if it's 90s like you can like pretty much guarantee I'm listening to it um it just never, never gets old. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I do have a few questions about, um, sync licensing, but before that, um, I am intrigued by, uh, your love of the nineties. Um, so 
Who are some, you mentioned in passing, like Fiona Apple and Liz Fair, um, but who are some of um, like those other standout acts from like 90s era um, songwriters or rock stars that you're just super drawn to? Yeah, I mean, gosh, it really ranges, but like I love David Garza. Um, he's just so, so good. Um, gosh, who else? Uh, I loved, um, you know, Third Eye Blind, Ana DeFranco. Um, I guess the Sundays were more of an 80s band, but love them. The Goo Goo Dolls, Alanis Morissette, you know, Tori Amos. Um, it's, gosh, it, Sarah McLaughlin. I can't believe I forgot her. Um, the Cranberries, like, you know, it just like, honestly, I could just like keep listing these amazing artists because I love them so much. Radiohead, Jeff Buckley um Cheryl Crow um I just feel like the 90s were such an amazing time in music and there's also some like amazing just standout songs that I just you know I constantly listen to so um yeah I mean wow that's like asking me to like pick my my favorite song which I can't do either Yeah, I hear you. It's like it's like asking a parent, choose a favorite child right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah. but I love them all equally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the 90s I feel like are just like a gold mine for so much great stuff. I feel like that was it wasn't the first time obviously, but like one of the highlights of when music executives were like, "Oh, actually people do want to hear women sing and be serious ah! songwriters." <laughs> Oh my gosh. Isn't that the truth? It's like, okay. Um, I feel that so much. Um, and then it wasn't cool anymore. Now I guess it's cool again. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hope that. Yeah. Let's hope it lasts. People are finally like, yeah, I'm glad nowadays people are finally like, let's just, everyone has a voice. Why can't uh, can we hear everyone aside from just the dudes? Cause the dudes have had their fair share. Yeah. Like, you know, um, being female is not a music genre so <laughs> period <laughs> period end of uh, sentence <laughs> yeah um and so how did you initially get into um i guess the business of licensing music for television cuz that's uh, another area that you're very prolific in you know um i when I started out an artist and a like professional songwriter writing for other artists, it just felt like I wasn't getting a lot of like, um, you know, I was investing a lot of time and not seeing a lot of return, even if I got like a major label cut and it just felt, I don't know, I am a Capricorn. So I hate like wasting time. So I was just trying to figure out how to work, uh, smarter, not harder. And that's when I started getting into licensing and realizing there's like this whole world that I wasn't, um, that I wasn't exploring. And so I started doing that and like putting assignments together and putting groups together and started winning in that space. And I think because ultimately my number one goal, no matter what type of project I'm working on, um, is to be authentic. Um, and lucky for me, like, I just, I love music so I can see myself in all different types of way it's just like it's art you know it's just like an actor like I find myself being uh pulled into different directions and enjoying those spaces when I visit them 
Um, so I started getting hired by other publishers to help their artists kind of find their authentic voice. And then eventually um, started my own custom music house. And, you know, I would just see like a lot of like creative men that I used to tour with get into a position of power in, in the music industry and, and not necessarily have all that experience, but somebody took a risk on them and like brought them up with them. And I didn't see a lot of women being offered the same opportunity. And, um, and I just thought that was a shame. And also I didn't see the men not saying that they're bad people, but I didn't see them go out of their way to lift up other people other than just friends. Right. And like no marginalized people, no, like no queer people, no women. And I was like, huh, that seems like a disservice. So I decided that I wanted to become an executive, not because like I really would enjoy it, but because <laughs> I thought um, it was important that someone was creative in that space to also understand, empathize and try to make the industry a more fair and equitable, safe space um, where their voices were heard. So I somehow ended up getting a job in the space and getting promoted pretty quickly and eventually, um, you know, uh, carving out my, my spot in the industry um, as, as a leader. And I, I only, I just did it because I just said, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and that's that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes is just the drive and just to be like, you know what, I'm just going to do this <laughs> for sure. Yeah, exactly. And um, you've said uh, that something that made you um, really sad in the early stages of your career is not being able to really collaborate or tour with or like uplift other women, um, which feels like, I don't know, it feels like that, like, even even though it was the early 2000s or early to late 2000s and people seem to associate like I don't know marginalizing women with the early to late 2000s it still feels like 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 why just like ugh. but with your now that but with your um house and like with head bitch music and everything um how uh, do you feel like you've since then do you feel like you're trying to make up for um make up for that sufficiently by, um, helping to uplift other voices with the, um, with your business and everything like that? Yeah. Um, you know, I just think it's such an amazing opportunity to be able to, you know, give back. And I just like, I, yeah, like you said, I didn't really get that opportunity when I was an artist, you know, you don't have a lot of agency over your career and I didn't get to, surround myself with like like-minded people or people who shared my experience so at head bitch music that's something that's really important to us and um hopefully we are giving them new opportunities but one thing that we are really passionate about is just being transparent and honest um and bold and diverse so we really try to go out of our way to work with artists that have opinions that um might be overlooked um, and where they can be celebrated for who they are. And, you know, we, we, we have a distribution arm, we do custom music. 
Um, we also have um, like a publishing arm as well. So there's there's a lot of fun opportunities and it's definitely been a journey building um, a community of just badasses that like support each other. And, but at the same time are individuals. Like, you know, I think when we build community, sometimes everyone kind of drinks the Kool-Aid and it's like a little bit like, okay, we can't exist without the other vibe. And like, I want everyone to have their own lives and like their own squads and like come, but come to us as a safe place, knowing that they're going to be taken care of and that they're never, they'll never be lied to. Um, so, you know, it's not like we're changing the world, I guess, but what we are doing is just being that honest, safe space um, where artists can come and, and be themselves. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's so needed uh, in just the arts and entertainment in general, especially because, I mean, for anyone uh, working um, under a capitalistic system that isn't um, a cisgender male, I feel like it's in general, it's just like not people aren't given the same advantages or opportunities, but especially in entertainment, it feels like it's like so far exacerbated in yes. the arts. A hundred percent. So I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And um, with this album, uh, what would you say uh, that? Uh, this project uh reflects um at this stage in your career um this album you know i haven't given myself a lot of um space or permission to just make art to make art you know so much of my career has been being around um, you know, making music for film and television, um, helping others monetize their music, um, doing uh, custom music for different, you know, corporate clients. And, um, you know, my experience as a signed artist was not a good one. So I just kind of put on pause, like making a, a complete body of work in LP, because one, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of money. And, it can sometimes be thankless when you do it. So sometimes it's easier to just release singles and EPs. Um, but I really wanted to do this for myself as a, uh, so that I could reflect on, you know, the last um, 14 years of my life and give some closure to some of those fans of that first project so they could be on that journey with me and hear a more inside in depth, uh, confession of like who I am as a person. And, um, cause I feel like we kind of went on that journey together and then I kind of like abandoned them because I was doing my, like doing other things. And, um, I felt like it was important to include them in this experience. Um, and you know, this, the album is just about being yourself and like for misfits and for the underdogs and the weirdos and uh, the people that feel like they don't fit and maybe their journey hasn't been a straight line. Maybe their life has been a challenging one. 
um, fulls, full of ups and downs and traumas and everything in between. And, um, you know, my music is for, for those people that feel alone. And I think that this album is an exploration on, um, getting through those traumas, uh, laughing through some of the pain, uh, finding your confidence, honoring who you were and who you are. Um, and you know, loving yourself anyway. And I imagine that you've, uh, received, um, many, uh, letters and have been contacted by a bunch of people who have really, uh, been uplifted by you sharing your story and, um, putting your music out there. Uh, are there any particularly memorable interactions that you've had with fans that really stand out to you? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, I never like to think of fans as fans because I feel, you know, they're just people. And I think that when I, when I used to tour, it kind of would freak me out when someone would like me because I'm like, I don't know you. And, um, like it would just make me anxious and not that I didn't appreciate it, but it just felt like weird. Like they're just people. And once I, uh, you know, I like to have one-on-one conversation. So that's kind of like how I am with anyone who listens to my music. So I, I definitely have so many experiences where, you know, um, a listener would, would tell me, um, you know, how it made them feel like less alone. There's this, um, this one, um, guy, uh, Chase and, you know, he's been following my journey for, for quite some time and I've been following his and he's been through some hard stuff and, you know, he's a, an amazing, strong, queer, uh, man. And, um, you know, he actually flew out to my release show from, from Ohio, which was just like the cutest thing in the world. Uh, you know, but he's just shared so much of like how, you know, he's, he's dealt with some mental health things and how the the music has made him feel heard. Um, and I, I, I hear that a lot from, from different listeners and that always makes me feel, um, good because it's so important, at least in my life outside of music that I pay it forward and that I am an advocate for people in pain. And, um, so if my music makes them feel less, you know, at least one, some catharsis and, um, some sort of healing, um, and feeling less alone, then I feel like I want to keep writing music because sometimes that can, you know, writing music can feel isolating and you don't know if you want to share it. So, um, having them share their stories makes me feel like it doesn't matter if it's one person or, you know, thousands of people, um, it's all important and then it's important work. Yes, absolutely. Um, and where did you uh, record the album, by the way? Was it in um, a studio? No, actually, it was in this room that I'm talking to you in. It was my office, my office studio at home. <laughs> so just my home studio. <laughs> cool. And so was this uh, um, like around 2020 time period or? No, it was just like the last um last six, eight months. Yeah. Of this, of this, uh, 2021 and 2022. So kind of (laughs) crazy. Oh, wow. And yeah. So, so, um, when you started, um, 
was that like a really like sort of thrilling and exhilarating moment to be like, I'm going to put out another album and just like to really start to. I, I don't know. It was just kind of a decision. Like I never do anything half-ass. Um, and I just had this bug in my ear that was just telling me like, it's time you've wasted enough time. You have to make an album. And there was another part of me that was like, why? But <laughs> I just, I just decided, you know, the one luxury of like, you know, working from home and um, everything with the pandemic was, you know, uh, you have time because you're not going out. So I just, you know, after I work, I would work. And during the weekends, I would work. And then I somehow finished it really quickly. And I also, I've been doing this long enough to do the work and stay out of the results. And I don't really second guess the decisions that I make anymore. So, you know, creating a song um, isn't as lengthy of a process as it used to be. Yeah. And what's, what's your process like normally when you're songwriting? Is it, uh, do you start with like an, like instrumental parts or do you start with the lyrics or et cetera? Oh, um, it changes every time. I really, honestly, I'm, I am a pretty, um, connected person to my feelings and my experiences and those of, uh, you know, the experiences of others. Um, people like to say empath. I think it's just trauma, (laughs) but, um, you know, I, I just like to sit with my body and just ask it like, what it wants to say. Um, I do tend to like listen to music and like put together inspo playlists or I might start a Google doc and like write out like moods and feelings and um, maybe a word or two. But again, like I think that the song always tells you where it wants to go. So like I make plans, but I also don't get tied to them because I know that if something else is inspiring, like I can go for that. And I'm really good at um, like narrowing down the homework assignment. So like, even if I start to like stray, I know I can like put some parameters around whatever I'm creating at the moment to make sure that we get it done. Um, my philosophy is no song left behind. So I, I really stand by that. And yeah, the process is also kind of different depending on who you're working with. And if you're working alone, I tend to, if I'm working by myself, I really just let things flow. Um, And then if I get bored, I stop. (laughs) And if I'm working with other people, I tend to come with some emotions and like maybe an idea of like, hey, I'd like to explore what this looks like. Um, Or, hey, sonically, I really want it to be in this direction or I want somebody to feel this when I write the song and then kind of build it around that. Cool. And on this particular record, did you work with many collaborators? Um, and if so, like, what was it like working with them? Or was it mostly like a solo effort? You know, it's a little bit of everything. I did write a few songs by myself. And then, um, which like I haven't, you know, I haven't really done a ton of since my first record, just because the nature of being a songwriter, you're just working with people. Um, so that was nice to be able to like remind myself that I do this by myself too. Um, (laughs) and then I also, I wrote with only my dearest, closest friends that I felt 
really safe with. So I only had uh, three collaborators um, on the entire record. Uh, so not a ton. Um, Tone Deaf, who produced it, um, he produced all the songs. And then um, my friend Chris Ayer, who is another Capricorn human that I just adore that my husband manages. Um, we've been friends for years and I worked on his, his EPs and he, his records. And so I thought it would be fun for him to work on something for me. Um, and then my friend G that I've also known forever from New Jersey, who lives here now in LA. Um, we've, we've collaborated before on one of my, um, another Lace's song called Moved. Um, and so we ended up writing a song called Thirsty on the record. That's like so different than Moved. It's like night and day. So uh, I actually have some sessions in the books coming up with him. So I'm really excited to, you know, figure out what we'll work on. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. I, I really love thirsty by the way. I think it's just <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Sort of rack. <laughs> right. It's such a clapback. Yeah, clap <laughs> I have someone right in my mind's eye whenever I sing it. So <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that um, that he has like uh, his own work. Um, oh, what sort of, um, I guess, sound would you classify that as? Uh, what do you What are you asking? Like what? What like what kind of music does he make? Because now that you mentioned that he collaborated with you on those songs. I'm oh, I was saying yeah on on the on thirsty uh, yeah. G. Yeah, so G and I wrote this other song together for Laces called Moved. And it's like this extreme like ballad that has been like licensed a ton on television. And it's just so different than the dis like the dis 90s track that we created together. So um his music himself, he go he uses the band name Kill the Alarm, uh, is very like like alternative rock. Cool. Um and uh, you mentioned as well uh, that you have made a few, um, in addition to licensing other people um, to be played on television, you've also had some of your own work in shows like Bridgerton and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have any... Um, new like audiences flocking to your music after one of your songs under what it was a Jay Poland song right yeah yeah so I've done I've done placements with a few I mean with laces as well like moved has been in Lucifer and charmed and a few others and uh good trouble um and I'm trying to think uh, as as well as other projects and Jay Poland yeah that was Bridgerton yeah I mean it depends on the sync. Like Lucifer fans are super supportive. And so, um, you know, they, there was two Lace songs in that show. So they definitely have been showing me a ton of love and for Jay Poland, obviously the Bridgerton fans go hard. So, um, you know, but they have two different audiences for sure. Like a lot of my projects, they kind of attract their own type of folk. Um, Jay Pone is such a different project than Laces. So I don't, the, there's definitely some overlap, but the most of the listeners are very different. Right. Yeah. And, 
uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, but laces is the most recent incarnation of work out of all your other uh, stuff, right? No, I, uh, oh. laces I've been doing since 2015. So huh. yeah, so definitely been doing it for, for a while. Um, it's my main project, my main squeeze, my main bitch, if you will. Um, but probably the closest to like who I am as a, as a person and as like, just like an artist writer, uh, Jay Poland, I've been doing for a few years, um, and have kind of just, I'm working on an EP for that project now. Um, and all my other projects are, they come and go the other ones, but Jay Poland laces kind of stick around. (laughs) And, uh, channeling um your energy into like I guess various different sorts of uh I guess work I don't know what the what the correct word is like different um incarnations of art like under your various um artistic uh pseudonyms and names and stuff like that um is it cathartic to sort of like channel all these different energies into various projects for you Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because I think I've always, I've always considered myself a songwriter first. Um, so it really allows me to explore all the parts of my personality and my musical interest without, um, without tying myself to one thing. When I started out as Charlotte, sometimes um, it definitely felt like people had decided that that's the only type of music I could write. And that felt like such a disservice to my creative output. Uh, so when I, when I restarted as Laces and started writing songs for other people, it was really important that I gave myself numerous outlets to explore the things that um, were gate kept from me prior. Um, just so I could prove to myself that I can grow and I can, I can be successful in different genres. And it's been really interesting to see how each project succeeds in its own way um, and how wrong the industry is. (laughs) And so uh, it makes me happier because I get to like be fully expressed. And I, I'm, I honestly know that I'm kind of crazy because I'm such a layered person and want to explore so much. And I know that that's not for everyone and it's really rare that someone's like, I'm a music executive at another company and I'm also run my own company. And I also have 20 plus monikers in numerous genres, (laughs) but I, I feel fulfilled doing that. So I always say like to other artists too, because they ask me like, well, should I do that? And, and I'm like, no, I mean, like, don't do something unless it feels authentic to you. Right. Like, it's not, it wouldn't be authentic for me to just be one thing. It would make me feel sad. And whenever I've done just one thing, I always felt like I was missing some part of myself. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's important for me, but everybody has their own journey and, um, might feel like they're getting whiplash doing all the shit that I do. (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that um, as Charlotte, sometimes you sort of felt like um, 
like you feeling like you don't want to pigeonhole yourself. Like, I feel like uh, that's definitely something that a lot of artists um, in general, like uh, find themselves really kicking against in for like in every different realm of art. But when you um, started writing, uh, whether it be for a, a brand new project under your own name or for other people, um, was there ever like a moment where you heard a song that you helped write like in a public facility or something like that, or um, on a TV show since you do the syncing stuff, like, and we're like, oh my God, I did that. Like I, I was part of that. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yes. All, all the time. Like I'll be at the grocery store and I hear a song of mine or watch a show. And, um, it's always, it's always so fun. I just, my friend, Amanda Brown, who is just like one of the most talented, um, vocalists and songwriters that I know she, she just had a show this, this week and it was just so amazing to see her on stage and also like perform a song that we wrote together and she's always so kind and always gives me a shout out and I'm like oh my god this is your moment like please do not give me a shout out (laughs) but um yeah I mean like honestly the older I get the more that I really rather help other artists kind of find their moments to shine so um yeah it's been really it's just always rad I just had a song on um uh that was just released by this actor and um, songwriter artist Cheyenne Jackson. And, you know, it was a song that we wrote years ago and it was so awesome to see it um, like reimagined and on his television show on Fox. And then also he released it through my label. So it's just been a really cool, like full circle moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love Cheyenne Jackson. Uh, you, you said, uh, it was on his television show. Which show are you referring to? Uh, call me cat. Right. Call me cat. Nice. That's exciting. I'm sorry. Can the sirens are probably (laughs) blaring over my voice. So if I need to, (laughs) but yeah. Um, and which song on this album uh, is would you say is the most personal to you or are they all like your your babies like like d- and personal in different ways oh god um I feel like my favorite song changes uh I definitely don't treat all my children equally so um I definitely play favorites it depends on like the mood right like I felt like almost happy was my favorite for a while but then it, then I wrote other songs and then, you know, that I'd have a new favorite song, like permanent became my favorite song. And then I was like, no, that's not my favorite song anymore. Um, super weirdo was my favorite for a while. Um, so honestly, it just like keeps changing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess probably, Ooh, girl, you are killing me right now. I'm like, what is my favorite song? I'm like thinking about it. Um, what is my favorite song? Uh, probably underdog on the record is probably my favorite song at the moment. (laughs) I feel like that song for today. I feel like, you know, my uncle and my aunt played French horn and cello on it. And, um, you know, 
it's actually, we were going to call the album underdog for a while until we wrote super weirdo. And then we changed the name. Um, I feel like it started out as like this joke when we wrote it. Cause I was like, yeah, man, I'm the fucking underdog. And I was just like making a sarcastic comment on it. And it was supposed to be like this tongue in cheek moment. And then we started writing it and became this like really emotional song and then all of a sudden I was like yeah man I am the underdog and then it's like full tears you know so um I feel like a lot of people can relate to that song and it really encourages you just to get back up and that to not be defined by your defeat um and so it was interesting because when I played it at the show you know I I it was this really beautiful moment that, you know, I was able to share with the crowd and I didn't get, I didn't cry, which was shocking because every time that I sing that song, when I say, keep on keeping your head up, I just start to cry. And I don't know if it's just because I need to hear it so much all of the time. And it just like breaks me down, but I've never really had a song do that to me before I wrote that one. Yeah. That like, that's a very interesting experience to have when writing a song, you sort of never know where it's going to go. Yeah. Totally. And also, was there um, anything else that you wanted to uh, mention or plug um, before I uh, let you go? Because we talked about a bunch of interesting stuff, but I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to also just uh, promote what you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, the album is out, so definitely go check out the LP, Super Weirdo. Um, it'll be my last for quite some time. <laughs> and, um, you know, let me know what your favorite song is. Uh, I'm also going to be releasing a, an acoustic EP of some of the select tracks from the LP. Um, so that'll be coming this summer. And I also am working on some um, partnered releases with some special special collaborators that's uh going to be coming soon so we'll be dropping some singles and a little ep um in probably like fall winter um so definitely a lot of exciting things happening in the works for laces and um jay poland just dropped a new new single today called mouth is a gun um and i'll be working on an ep for that soon too so Lots of fun things. You can find me at Head Bitch Music without the I. Um, but I'm just a Google away. If you can't find me, you will. And uh, feel free to internet stalk me so we can be friends. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I had a blast chatting with you. Yes, you too. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy, and a big thank you to Jessica Vaughn for joining me. Her latest album, Super Weirdo, under the name LACES, in all caps, is now available on streaming services. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested, consider donating to my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. 
And now to close out this episode, a big thank you to my current patrons, Debbie, Duna, Beverly, Matthew, and Paul. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy. 